Welcome to Talking Facts, what you need to know about family, food, finance, and fitness. Hosted by the University of Kentucky Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Program, our educators share research knowledge with individuals, families, and communities to improve quality of life. Hello, and welcome to Talking Facts. This is your host, Dr. Jennifer Hunter, Assistant Director for Family Consumer Sciences Extension at the University of Kentucky. Today, I'm pleased to be joined by Dr. Amy Kostelik, our Extension Specialist for Adult Development and Aging, and Natalie Jones, our Extension Specialist for Family Health. Welcome, Amy and Natalie. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we're thrilled to be here. Thanks. So today's topic, I think, is going to be fun. Y'all are going to share with us about how to host a family Olympics this summer. And if you think, you know, the 2020 Olympics has been delayed, there's been so many summer events that have been canceled. And so I love this idea as a way to plan your own socially distanced Summer Family Olympics. So this is going to be a perfect excuse to rally your family and or your good friends for some just some good old fashioned outdoor fun, physical activity and togetherness. But um, Natalie, I think you're going to kick us off, though, and share a little bit about Olympic history with us as we get started. Yeah, so I think it's just really important to first know, you know, where the Olympics come from and why they are so important. And it's obviously an international event, so worldwide, summer and winter sports. And they're actually held every leap year, so every four years, with summer and winter Olympics taking turns. That's why we have the Olympics every two years. Um, It's 16 days, and they originally started right in ancient Greece. And so the first games were held in 776 BC. But when we think about like now with over time, right, the Olympics have become a huge event and even bigger. And so the official like modern first Olympics happened in 1896, which was really cool that it also took place in Athens, Greece. So kind of like where it all started. So that is kind of the basics of when it got started and just how it's grown from only 14 countries participating to now we have 204 countries from only a few sports to now we have 28 sports potentially in the 2021 game. So super exciting. So we'll see what happens with the addition of rugby and golf. Um, So those are two new sports added to the Olympic games. And if you think about it, it's really cool that five sports have been a part of every summer Olympics. So that's track and field, gymnastics, cycling, fencing, and swimming. So um, when you think about the Summer Olympics, those are the top five that we hear a lot about. And I love the Olympics because it's so empowering for everyone um, being allowed. Women um, weren't allowed to compete at first, but now they are. And then the Winter Games were created to include ice and snow sports. And then we have the Paralympic Games, which were created for athletes with physical disabilities. And so it's just amazing how inclusive the Olympics are and how they are working on becoming even more inclusive. And one of the things that I think really symbolizes that is the five interlocking Olympic rings, right, that you see on the Olympic flag. And that's kind of the symbol of the Olympics. And what that stands for, and it's just fascinating, is it's all of the five continents of the world linked together in friendship. So those rings represent Australia, Asia, Africa, Europe, 
and America's. And so I think right now, just with everything that's going on in the world, the Olympics and hosting summer family Olympics is so important because we all need to become linked together in friendship. And so I think it's just a good um, context to take the Olympics in and to start up with your own family Olympics. So Natalie, this is just a completely random side note that may not be of interest to our listeners, but feel the need to share that last summer, I actually had the opportunity to participate on a study tour that Amy led to Greece. And um, as part of that, we had the opportunity to visit and tour the stadium for the first modern Olympics in 1896 in Greece. And as you talk about the context and the rituals and the symbolism, actually having the opportunity to see that in person was just really and truly a neat experience. And so now that we have a little bit of background about the Olympic Games, let's talk a little bit about how a family may be able to host or have their own family Olympics. So instead of watching those Summer Olympics, let's talk a little bit about what a home Olympics might look like for a family. Well, I would, I'd love to talk to you guys a little bit about this, Jennifer. And I'll say too, I appreciate that shout out that you gave to the study tour of 2019 to Greece with extension agents. And we did have a great time. And there is something about running around that stadium that gives you chills. And there's even a museum there on the inside where you can see the different torches and flags throughout the years. And it, it is pretty amazing. So we think it'd be fun for you all to, to share something like that with your own family as well. And as I get started, I'll share that a couple of years ago, my in-laws and I were, um, we, we had blended families and we met up in Northern Wisconsin and we hosted our first family Olympics. And we really weren't sure how it was going to go because we thought we have this random mix of people and ages and, and abilities, but it ended up being so much fun that we have continued to do it and people continue to ask about it. And these are some family members and I love them all, but they're not always willing to be gamers and doers and goers, especially some of the teenagers in the family and the cousins who think they're, you know, over this or too cool or whatever, but we just had a blast. So that's my little shout out of a personal note on Family Olympics. But I think ways in which to get started, um, it can be overwhelming because you think ah, it's too much work or it's, it's too hard or too complicated, but I think it actually can be pretty simple. So if you just break down, break it down kind of step-by-step, like you're planning a a birthday party, sort of, you know, you're going to decide who your players are, who are you going to invite? And I think right now, especially you've got to think about the social distancing. And so right now the requirements, even though we're able to expand our social bubbles a little bit, um, you still want to have a fairly small group of people of 10 or less. And so is that family members and extended family members, is that close friends who you've been social distancing with or quarantining with um, some neighborhood um, people in the neighborhood that you are close with? And again, people that you know are healthy as well and, and trustworthy, I think is an important note to throw out there. Um, you want to pick a date or a week or a weekend um, that everyone can plan and plan ahead for. And so we're really thrilled to say that the 4th of July weekend might be a great time. People might have some extended time off of work or just some time. And, and we tend to get with families around that time as well. And again, you want to tell people in advance so that they can plan. And this is where the creativity starts. I think that it's important to have a sense of team, a sense of unity. And so if you assign teams, there's 
a variety of ways to do that, whether it's family against families or siblings against parents or, or I'm sorry, children against parents or however you want to think about it. tall people against short people, <laughs> a sky's the limit. But I think it's fun to have something that identifies the teams. You can make t-shirts, you can have matching socks, you can have matching face coverings right now. But something that makes your team its own unit would be important as well. Team names can be fun. You also want to pick your games and supplies in advance. And we're going to talk um, in a future webinar about some specific games as well. But there's lots of stuff out there. And maybe you want to go with the theme of five that Natalie's been talking about. And you do pick a game for one night of the week so that it's not overwhelming or intimidating. Or maybe you play all five games on a Saturday afternoon, or maybe you only play three games. It really doesn't matter. There's no rules on how you play a family Olympics, but you can do things like playing with a, a flying disc, or you can play cornhole, or you can play with squirt guns and shoot candles. Um, you know, there's so many different fun things that you can do. Watermelon spitting, pit spitting contest. Um, yeah, I love you, that. Yeah. I mean, just silly things. Just, and, and also think about, you know, Natalie made a point to say that the Olympics is all inclusive. It has different genders and, and abilities. And so think about who your team is. I shared with our family Olympics, we had multiple generations. The oldest player that we had was 85 at the time. And so we made sure that we had activities that our 85-year-old grandfather could play as well as the youngest member on our team could play. And we also made sure that we had some rainy day activities and we did have a day of rain. And so we did some indoor bowling. Um, there was a night that we played Pictionary. So there's other things too, or if gaming isn't really your thing, maybe you do a coffee tasting or a wine tasting or something like that. You play Chopped Kitchen. So again, creativity is important, I think. And and also looking at who your players are and what would be fun to to the team that you have picked. And then kind of the last thing, well, a couple more things, I guess, is you want to have a point system of some sort. So it can be fairly simple. It might de be dependent upon how many people you have playing. So if you have two teams, for example, you may assign a certain number of points per game. So you either win or lose and whoever wins gets a point and whoever, whoever lost the game doesn't get a point. Or if you have, you know, five teams, maybe you assign a certain number of points for first, second, third, fourth, and last place so that you have a way to identify the winner in the end of your, your series or your Olympic series and events. And I think the last point I want to make is make it special, make it fun for your family. So the Olympics, as we know, the tradition is there's always an opening ceremony and I don't expect you to have laser beams and lights and all these fancy <laughs> Oh, come things. on, Amy. Although it could be fun. You can use flashlights and glow sticks and all these kinds of things, but maybe you have a, a pre, you know, game dinner. You've got a pasta dinner. We've got tons of great recipes that are plated up, um, that, that you might be able to test and try or even make as a family, um, and have a little opening ceremony to say, this is what we're going to do and get everyone excited and rallied together. And then the Olympics also has a traditional closing ceremony as well. And that can be a time where you're awarding medals. And maybe it's not even first, second, and third place medals. Maybe it's, hey, you were the best sport, or you had the funniest uniforms, or you had the best team name. But something just to kind of commemorate that this is what you did as a unit and as a family. And this is how you had fun. It's the 4th of July. So maybe you throw some fireworks out there or do some sparklers or just something that is a little bit out of the ordinary, if that's your thing, to just kind of make that closing ceremony special. Um, and just, like I said, create some good memories and possibly a tradition. 
I think this just sounds amazing and so much fun and just a true break from the routine, which I think is what many families are looking for right now. Can you share with us a little bit about additional benefits that you think of from hosting or throwing a family Olympics? Natalie, you want to talk about that a little bit or do you want me to keep going? Yeah. So I think that one of the best things that Family Olympics is just like I see it as kids sports or parents getting involved in sports and activity. So it really teaches a lot of different social connections and different things that can come from playing. And so like diving into what that is, I think that the biggest thing, building strong families with extension, quality time, bonding, like Amy said, multiple generations of people and promoting that social network But for kids, it can really help them learn how to play with others, right? That skill of learning. Children learn to share, to take turns, to follow directions, right? And it can help with that family activity. Sport and life presents us with dilemmas, right? It can be frustrating when you may lose or you may do not as well as you had expected. And so for young people, learning how to face those dilemmas and those challenges can be really helpful. And it can be a way that teaching moment for parents to help their kids cope with how to handle that. So I think it teaches respect for games and for others. And right, we want to encourage everyone, right? Cheer them on, give them chance, do whatever you need to do, right? You help them learn how to do their best and that knowing that it's not just about winning or losing, right? And I think that perseverance as well of just keep going, we're moving forward, we're dealing with these challenges, we're going to have fun, we're just going to shake it out, live our best life, and taking courage to try new things, right? Some kids may be a little bit timid or a little more scared to do things. They may not be an athlete, they may not enjoy certain games, but this could push them outside of their norm. And so I think all of that helps with the experience, helps with skills um, to develop as kids get older to manage different dilemmas or different challenges and to work in teams and to work with each other and to cheer them on. So I think it just really overall helps so much with physical and mental development for kids. And then obviously you get outside if you can, you get inside if that's what you have to do, but it's just fun, right? Just moving our bodies, being with each other, being with our families, laughing is It'll be hilarious, I'm sure, as you watch people do whatever activity it is, you know, and it can be depending on what age group that you have with kids. Like an example that I saw for a family Olympics of now of what's going on with FaceTime and people doing virtual calls is one of the games was to see who could have a friend answer their FaceTime call the fastest. So they had a stopwatch going, they called a friend, and then whoever, they watched the stopwatch go and whoever answered first, they won, right? They were trying to get the shortest amount of time, like a sprint, right? You're trying to, who can I call that's going to answer that phone? So it can be something like that. If you have high school friends or high school kids or college kids at home right now, that can be something that you guys can all do. And so just like Amy said, I think just keeping it light, keeping it fun, keeping it for that engagement of family fun, social connection, laughing out of the norm, something that hopefully sparks tradition that you can do again. And again, it just sportsmanships, patience, flexibility, responsibility, and respect for the games, I think can be really important for everyone to learn as well. And I think too, we're just in a time um, that we need something different. You know, we're coming 
I don't want to say completely coming out of quarantine, but a little bit. And I think there are people who are still hesitant and and looking for things to do and looking for safe and fun things to do. I think a lot of summer plans have been traveled. I know within my family, we always go to Northern Wisconsin for um, the 4th of July. This is the first time that I have not been there. And I, I'm feeling really a little bit anxious about that. And I, I think something like this gives a family to look forward to something. So, you know, even if depending on how your family is, you do a virtual Olympics or do some of these virtual games like um, Natalie was just mentioning in an Olympic sort of style. You know, I think there, we need something right now. We need some fun. We need some silliness and it does feel good to laugh. And when you've got, you know, nylons on your head with a softball in it and you're trying to knock over bowling pins, you're going to laugh. And if grandma's doing it, that's funny too, because that's something she might not normally do. Well, I'll tell you one thing that I love is that I do truly feel like it gives um, all ages permission to play. And sometimes as we get older, we we feel like that we just can't, for whatever reason, go out and play as much as we used to. And so I do, I do love that about it. And I just had to laugh as I was listening to you all talk today, especially as you were talking about some of the benefits is that my, my nuclear, my, my little family at home, we are all extremely competitive. (laughs) And so this would be so much fun for us, except for the one that's losing. Um, And, um, and so just having those conversations, and I will say that we've had to implement this summer that or um, recently since we've been home more that as we play games together outside as families, we kind of do it as teams. For our listeners that listen often, they know that I have a son in high school. And so, you know, he's, he's pretty agile and athletic and can, you know, he can do more. And then we have an eight-year-old little girl. So obviously, if they're competing against each other, he's almost always going to win. But we have found that I may not be the most skilled person in some of our family games that we've played. So we always do teams of mom and dad against the kids, which they think is great, too. But it also balances it out so that our little one's not always losing um, and he's not always winning uh, and it kind of helps feelings from getting hurt. But um, recently they have been just destroying mom and dad. And so we have talked about that we have to find some games that we have the advantage on because we are down pretty bad right now. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So I'm going to take some that you all have suggested today and pitch them out at dinner tonight. Um, I'm going to pick out the ones that I think we'll be good at as parents. You got to do that. Pitch them out at dinner Mm -hmm. um, because we, as the adults in our household, need a couple wins. So I think that that's. Jennifer sharing that because now Natalie and I can add to our um, Facebook Live and our our Zoom webinar that's coming up on the same topic that will add a section on how parents can destroy their kids in the Olympics and win. Yeah, I'm a little concerned about the amount of smack talk my eight-year-old has. (laughs) Like, she... she... But I think that that's a great... It's a good learning skill for everyone. I'm right there. It's not when I'm losing, Natalie. I understand it is it can be a teaching moment for everyone. And yeah. it's also fun to know that it doesn't have to be about winning. But if it is about winning, then what are some ways that you can make it fair for everyone, right? Or do like switch up teams. You don't always have to be on the same team. Like Amy said earlier, it's limitless, be creative. There's no real set rules here. So you can kind of pick and choose as you work it out as a family. If it's your first time doing something like this, then 
you may learn like, oh, we cannot put them together because they're going to crush everyone else, right? How to make it fair and how to make it more fun. And if you can, you can do individuals as well. Like if you don't, you don't need to necessarily do teams or you could do a mix of you all represent certain countries, you have individuals, but then you have a team sports as well within that same country, right? So different things that you can pick and choose, make it work. You know, you just got to be flexible. Go yeah, with it. Yeah, the one rule I do, I think there's one rule and that rule is to have fun. That yeah. That's what this is all about. And there's some really cool learning opportunities too. I mean, like Natalie just said, pick a country and you can play games from that country. I mean, you know, so many opportunities to, to learn and expand as well while having fun. Um, I've even seen like curling, you know, and there was a dad in a hallway and he was swiffering like the hallway while the little girl was trying to slide a, a, a little paper, t- uh, paper plate. And so, I mean, like you can look up different sports that you may not play that you may not know, and you can try to figure out the rules and figure out a creative way to duplicate it in your home or in your yard. So it can be hilarious. I'm sure. Excellent. And we'll have lots more tips and details when we do our webinar on um, Thursday, July 2nd as well. Excellent. Thank you both so much for joining us today and for sharing. Uh, like I said, that this is something I'm certainly going to pitch out to my family, especially the ones I think I can win at. But I heard all that about it's not winning. It's about the family bonding and the activity. I heard it all. I'm just going to select the ones that I, I think would be good for us. Uh, But thank you all so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Talking Facts. We deliver programs focusing on nutrition and health, resource management, family development, and civic engagement. If you enjoyed today's podcast, have a question or a show topic idea, leave a like and comment on Facebook at UKFCSEXT. Visit us online at fcs.uky.edu to learn more about the University of Kentucky Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Program or contact your local extension agent for family and consumer sciences. We build strong families. It starts with us.